Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Hello. Welcome to week 24 of Is It Worth It, the film review podcast where we go out of our way to see all the films in the cinema, even the bad ones, so you don't have to. His name is David Long. And he is Craig Fields. And on this week's show, we have a lot to review. Isn't that right, Craig? We do indeed. We've had a bit of a break. Uh, Multiple holidays and work adventures have taken place. But since getting back, we've been cramming in as many films as we can to bring you a most excellent show for week 24. David, what have we got coming up on this week's show? Well, Craig, we have a lot, (laughs) and we'll be kicking off the reviews on this week's show with Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. The Harry Potter spin-off returns with an all-star cast consisting of Eddie Redmayne, Johnny Depp, Ezra Miller, Zoe Kravitz, Catherine Waterston, Alison Sudol, Jude Law. The list goes on and on and on. Illumination and Universal Pictures return for their eighth fully animated feature with The Grinch, featuring the voices of Benedict Cumberbatch, Cameron Seeley, Pharrell Williams and Radisha Jones. As well as this, we'll be taking a look at Creed 2. Michael B. Jordan and Sylvester Stallone return for another punch-up. <laughs> Not with each other. <laughs> Although, I, actually, that could be Creed 3. It'd be quite fun. That could be quite good, couldn't it? Um, so, also, we'll have Ralph Breaks the Internet. Uh, John C. Riley and Sarah Silverman return to star in this much-anticipated sequel of Wreck-It Ralph. Craig is far more organised than me, so he will be reviewing Robin Hood, starring uh, Taron Egerton and Jamie Foxx. Along with Robin Hood, Craig will also be taking a look at The Girl in the Spider's Web, starring the fantastic Claire Foy and the very tall Stephen Merchant. As well as those, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is another film we'll be reviewing and it features the voices of Jake Johnson, Hayley Steinfeld and Nicolas Cage. Yes, as well as this, we are obviously unlimited card holders and we saw a secret screening and we saw Green Book. Uh, So we're going to bring you a a sort of short review of this uh, and then we'll do another longer review when the film is released to the public. Uh, It was a brilliant film and it stars uh, Viggo uh, Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. Uh, We'll also be taking a look at Mortal Engines and Tulip Fever on this week's show. As well as that ridiculously long list of films, we'll be taking a look at the box office with our box office rundown, news, and is it worth it, cinema at home? Yes, we've decided to combine two features into Mm. one because it just made so much more sense. Um, We're going to have to come up with a new... New theme so tune. can I just say R.I.P. to DVD, DVD, that, that is gone. And is it worth it? Should I stream it? It's also gone. We're, we're, we're mashing it all to cinema at home, recommending what you should watch whilst at home. Yeah, it makes much more sense. So, David, how are you? It's been a number of weeks and we, since we've sat in these uh, chairs to record a show. Mm. How have you been? How was your holiday? Yeah, the holiday was good. Uh, went down to uh, Gran Canaria for a week. Uh, I was blessed with wonderful weather. Um, came back looking like Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> I, you know what I'm like. I tan very, very well. And now I'm bald. Uh, I have to be really careful. So I, I had plenty of sun cream on, but came back Factor with a... Factor 50? 
Uh, no, factor 30. I never go factor 50. Mm. I want to get a bit of a tan on. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, uh, lovely little island. Uh, really good time with my dad. Uh, quite quite some, some funny laughs as well. Uh, I did become un, unwell, unfortunately. I have this habit of when I go to to Europe, um, particularly small European islands out in the middle of the ocean, uh, that I tend, to, <laughs> I tend to get unwell. So I had a stomach problem. I won't go into any more details than that, but me and my dad went on a twizzy tour. A, a what, sorry? A twizzy tour. So my dad hired a small electric vehicle, and when I say small, I mean tiny. Mm. Um, imagine, do you remember Jeremy Clarkson when he drove that little blue car on Top Gear? Yes. That kind of size. It was tiny. And we were driving in convoy all the way through the mountains. I was very, very unwell. Uh, and let me tell you, folks, you don't want to be unwell when you're stuck in the mountains of Gran Canaria. Uh, there were no facilities for me to use. I won't go into any more details, but it was most unfortunate. Um, then when I got back to um, civilization. In Gran Canaria, it's it's 50 cents uh, to use the public toilet. So on that day, I must have spent about 16 euros <laughs> by, <laughs> by the end of the day. Uh, so other than that, yeah, a great holiday. Uh, and obviously yourself as well. Yeah, I mean, um, I had an absolute fantastic time in the pool. I was very worried before I went out there because I was feeling really, really unwell. Mm. Um, as some of you may know, I actually suffer from Crohn's disease and I was having a, a really severe flare up before I went out there. And I think a lot of that was stress induced. Mm. Um, but once I got out there and, uh, and a few days had passed, I'd really got into the Nepalese culture and really mm. started to understand what it was like to be in a place like this. Um, and it was a real eye opener. Some of the things that I saw was was amazing and and upsetting and and beautiful all at the same time and uh, I made some extraordinary friends from from a, a really wonderful trip um and I I can't wait to to get the documentary finished and mm. and out there for people to see um so yeah really looking forward to that and obviously we'll include on our website a link so people can can view that documentary they can and uh, we'll also put up uh, the link to the the donation page as well mm. because uh, we are still collecting money for for the charity uh, the Paha Trust so that they can help restore and build hostels for deaf children in the schools that they need and there is one that we are still working on uh, and we're looking at going back out there fairly soon um, maybe within the next 18 months to see a finished product that we have all collected towards to see where that money goes so it's uh, really exciting actually yeah I mean I, lo- I loved following your story and I've got to say you looked really unwell before you went and you came back like a like a new man glowing and I believe you had some was it local fire water when you were out there Ah, uh, yes. Uh, uh, there were multiple celebrations that went on. <laughs> and uh, I mean, they really were welcoming to, to all of us. And uh, at each celebration, uh, they put some like red paint on our head, they gave us garlands of flowers to go around our necks. Um, and at one particular one, they gave us some uh, homemade, what we thought was wine or gin or whiskey. I'm not sure. It was clear liquid, but it tasted like rocket fuel. <laughs> and uh, and uh, apparently was around about 70% proof. Good Lord. And uh, And I had a little bit too much of that. Um, I won't say anymore. Oh, brilliant! But, uh, it was a, a very uh, fun experience. I, I'll, get, I'll tell you that now. <laughs> yeah, so we've we've had a we've had a good break. It's also been uh, Craig's birthday. Um, yes, it was your birthday. I shouldn't really know this. Last week, sometime. Yes, uh, it was my birthday on the sixth of December. Fantastic! I've I've come bearing gifts ah. in a, in a, in a rather large bag. It's about a three huge. foot wide bag, but there's not three foot wide's worth of stuff in there. Um, oh, thanks. Would you, would you like me to present the gifts or would you like to... 
I mean, why not? I mean, that's so uh... there's there's a few. So the the first one we've got, I I I know you're fond of gin. Yes. And you're also fond of a bath. Yes. So why not have a bath in gin? <laughs> <laughs> well, wow the uh, the fuzzy ducks curious gin bubble bath. So there you go, folks. Craig will now be able to bathe in gin. Uh, also, um, fantastic for your newly balding head. Oh right, yep. Uh, I've got you a selection of bulldog moisturizers. Fantastic in a travel kit because mm. yes, I will be doing some more traveling. Fantastic. My head is now going to be perfectly moisturised. And finally, don't be alarmed. I'm about to hand you two bags of um, green plants. Right. Now, they are legal. Yes. So so don't worry. But these are from Gran Canaria, from a a little farm. Yeah. Um, And what we have here is we have, it's plant medication. Um, Chamomile tea and lemongrass. Aww. Look at that. I, I oh, select, you can't see that. But I selected these two um, because I've tried both of them, and they particularly the lemongrass was absolutely delicious. But also, I was informed by this... This was up in the mountains. This woman grows all this stuff hmm. and, and sells it. Um, that Apparently, lemongrass and chamomile are both very good for the stomach. Um, so I got it in mind of your... Uh, Crohn's and 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 honestly, you Smells you know how amazing. much I hate tea. Yes, that is good stuff. Um, did have a couple of issues bringing it through customs. <laughs> I, I would imagine so. The <laughs> way it's it, packaged, it's just it is particularly the um, which one's that? The chamomile. It's just a bag of greenery, and it does look like uh, well, it doesn't look like chamomile, but I can assure you, it is. Uh, so happy <laughs> birthday to Craig! I Thank also you got, so much, David. I really appreciate. I it. also got you a card. Um, I don't know whether you want to open it on air. I mean, is it? I mean, what the words? Well, um, it might be a bit soppy. Ah, oh, well, then in that case, let's have a little look, shall we? Sorry, 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 folks, but this is you know it, it, we haven't seen each other in a while, and <laughs> well, can you describe that card for me? So the the card, it, I got it because it looks like Craig. It's like a llama wearing a very silly hat, and Craig has a tendency to wear hats. It's like a bobble hat with ball balls and on it. like a llama, apparently. Uh, okay, let's have a look inside, dear Craig. Happy birthday. You are the best friend a man could have. 100% worth it. Love, David. Oh, thanks, mate. No worries. Lovely words. Um, Lovely words indeed. So there you have it, folks. Um, We both had a a brilliant holiday. And I've got to be honest, um, I'm really looking forward to today's show. Um, There's a lot of films to review, so it is going to be quite a long one. But um, maybe by the end of the show, I'll be in more of a Christmassy mood. Hmm. It is what? What is the date today? I can't. Even I think it's the tenth. Yeah, the tenth of December. So we are very close. We to... are incredibly close. And at the moment, I am the Grinch. Uh, <laughs> I really am. It's. It's. I'm struggling to feel festive. But you never know. By the end of the podcast, perhaps I will. Yeah. Well, perhaps I'll start getting some decorations up in here. Yeah. I mean, it's warm in here. I've made Craig turn the heating down. It's like a, a small sauna. I'm quite cold. Yeah, you're not normal. No, I'm not. Anyway, shall we crack on with today's show? Yes, and we'll begin it in our usual way with the box office rundown. This is the box office rundown. Brought to you by Is It Worth It, the film review podcast. 
Yes, that's right. It's the box office rundown for the weekend of November the 30th to December the 2nd, 2018. Do you want to kick us off at number 10, David? Yes, so I haven't actually seen this box office rundown, so I'm uh, interested to see what we have. And I can see straight away at number 10, we have A Star Is Born. Uh, it took £200,000 at the weekend. It's grossed £28.6 million in total, and it's been in the box office for nine weeks. And if you haven't seen this film... Go and see it. I think it's absolutely superb. Uh, It's still the one to beat when it comes to award season. That's Golden Globes, BAFTAs and Oscars. There are a few other films that are are creeping up. But at the moment, Star is Born is the Mm. film of the year. Um, And if you haven't seen it, you've got to. It's it's a masterpiece. I loved it. It's still showing in in loads of cinemas. So there's still plenty of time to get your tickets booked for that one. Um, so in at number nine, we have Widows, which took £200,000 at the weekend. It's grossed £5.9 million in total, and it's been in the box office for four weeks. I saw this uh, and reviewed it on last week's show. Um, since then, uh, David, you have seen it, um, and I think you um, disagreed with my overall opinion on the film. Um, what was your take on it? You know... Going into this film, I, I knew that there was Oscar talk and, and having seen it, I think that's absolutely ridiculous, uh, if I'm honest. You know, there, there was plenty to like about this film, but it was just very average, if you ask me. Um, mm. I was expecting a lot more than I got. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to go into a full uh, in-depth review. What did stand out, though, was that one scene you spoke about where they filmed on the front of the car whilst just having the audio of the two people in the car. And there was a lot of things in the film technically that were, uh, you know, of real interest. But overall, I I found the story a little bit ridiculous. And and that was the problem. Its believability wasn't there. Mm. Um, However, the... You know, the the lead females in it, I thought they were all fantastic. And again, it is good to see women at the forefront of big Hollywood films. Hmm. Okay, at number eight, it's Robin Hood. Uh, Craig will be reviewing that on this week's show. Uh, it took 400000 at the weekend. It's grossed $2.2 million in total. Uh, it's been in the box office for two weeks, and I'm looking forward to hearing Craig's opinions on that film in this show. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to reviewing this one um, very much so. Um, in at number seven, we have Nativity Rocks. Uh, neither of us have seen this film. Um, we will get round to seeing it um, and probably bringing it on next week's show. But uh, at the weekend, it took £500,000. Uh, it's taken £1.5 million overall and it's been in the box office for around about two weeks now. Um, the first film, I don't know if you've seen the first Nativity film. Um, there's been quite a few and i really enjoyed the first one um it had quite a good cast uh very really good christmas story you know very modern and and it it was great however on reflection um looking at the the trailers for this one it just looks like they're milking it a little bit the trailer looked ropey it did so not really looking forward to this one yeah uh, at number six, we have 2.0. Um, now, this is a Bollywood film. Uh, it is out in a, a number of Cineworlds across the country. Me and Craig haven't seen it. Again, it's not in Cineworld Hemel Hempstead anymore, so it might be difficult for us to see it. Um, but it took 0.5 million at the weekend. Uh, that's its total gross, uh, and it's been in the box office for one week. So if you have seen 2.0, please do send us an email or an audio clip, and we'd love to include that review in next week's show. 
In at number five, we have The Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, it took £1.6 million at the weekend. It's a gross, uh, an astonishing £42.9 million in total, and it's been in the box office for six weeks. Um, we reviewed this, and we we did look at this with our real critical head mm. on. Um, and since talking to a lot of people that have seen it, Right, we we said it was worth it, and we did enjoy the film. Um, but if I just strip back the critic within me now, that's grown with the show. Um, it, it it is a fantastic film. It really, really is, and I think you might agree with me on that one. Yeah, I mean, I I really enjoyed the film. Like I said, I'm I'm not as a bigger music fan as you. I didn't know the story of of uh, of Queen um, as as well as you. So I really enjoyed it, and it's a a sort of a, a film that makes you want to sing along and it's 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 it's, it's a good film you know Rami Rami Malek is sensational as mm. Freddie Mercury and I really do mean that simply incredible there are problems with the film um and if you know if I take my you know critical hat off I don't know why I'm wearing a critical <laughs> hat but do you know what I mean if I if yeah. I if I look at it from a you know a cinema goer's perspective it's it's an enjoyable film and you know I think the CGI at the end was disappointing, but again, you forgive the film for that. Um, and yeah, I, I would I would definitely suggest going to see Bohemian Rhapsody in the cinema. Uh, below that, number four. Well, no, not below that. Above that. <laughs> uh, I've, I've lost the ability to count. Uh, we have The Grinch. Uh, it took 2.3 million at the weekend. I can't believe this. It's grossed 17.2 million in total. Uh, and it's been in the box office for four weeks. We are bringing you a review of this film on today's show. Benedict Cumberpatch voices the Grinch. Uh, and I'm looking forward to roasting, I mean, reviewing this film. <laughs> I'm looking forward to discussing this film mm. with you very much. So, uh, In at number three, we have Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Uh, this took £2.7 million at the weekend. It's grossed £26.8 million in total. And it's been in the box office for around about three weeks. And... That gross total is a little disappointing for a Harry Potter spin-off. Mm. Um, just looking at that from there, and um, I can I can see why. I'm not going to go into too much detail because we are yeah. bringing you the review this week. But um, I'm actually really looking forward to discussing this one with you. It's mm. going to be um, it's going to be different. Yeah. Above that, at number two, we have Creed Two. How uh, bizarre. Um, it took three million pound at the weekend. Uh, it's grossed three million in total. Uh, it's been out for for one week. Um, Sylvester Stallone, uh, an older Stallone, is back uh, in this Rocky sequel slash spin off. Uh, and I, I'm looking forward to reviewing this film. Um, again, there's a, there's a lot of meat on the bone here. There's a lot of things mm. to talk about. Um, and at the top of the pile, Craig, what do we have leading the way? In at number one, we have Ralph Breaks the Internet, Wreck-It Ralph 2. It took four, mo- £4 million pounds at the weekend. It's grossed £4 million pounds in total, and it's been in the box office for one week. Uh, and we're going to bring you the review of this film this week. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for the full box office rundown. And at number 10, we have A Star is Born, 9, Widows, 8, Robin Hood, 7, Nativity Rocks, 6, 2.0, 5, Bohemian Rhapsody, 4, The Grinch, 3, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, 2, Creed 2, and at the top of the pile, Ralph Breaks the Internet in Wreck-It Ralph 2.
So it's now time for our first review of the show, and we will be taking a look at Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Craig, what have we got here? So David Yates is returning to the director's chair. J.K. Rowling returns to the typewriter for this Fantastic Beasts sequel. And now after the first film leaves us with the reveal that Grindelwald is behind much of the controversy, Newt Scamander is acting upon Dumbledore's orders to try and take down Grindelwald, who is determined to have a world of pure bloods ruling over muggles. J.K. Rowling seems to be filling in the gaps where she left off in the books in the Harry Potter world where little was spoken about the epic battle of Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Let's take a listen to a clip from the film. Why can't you go? I cannot move against Grindelwald. It has to be you. Well, I can't blame you. In your shoes, I'd probably refuse to. What? It's late. Good evening, Newt. Wait, no. Oh, come on. Yeah, so I think that clip probably shows the best two things about this film, and that is Eddie Redmayne and Jude Law. Um, I really like Eddie Redmayne. Uh, I, I like him in pretty much anything he's ever been in, and I like his character in this. It's a very likable character, uh, and I think Jude, Jude Law's Dumbledore is, is perfectly cast. Um, I think there's a somewhat ropey... Uh, historical connection here. I mean, I've seen things on the internet that he seems to go from Jude Law to you know a, a, a man with a very long grey beard quite quickly, and that and mm. that and and perhaps the timeline doesn't add up as it should. And I think that's really the problem that we've got here. So to to kick off with how I view this film, it's so we're going back, we're going back in time. But the problem with going back in time is that the film industry has changed, CGI has developed. And this film is literally just like how much magic, irrelevant magic at times, can we get in? You know, and what I like about the original Harry Potter is the innocence of it. And yeah. the, the the magic that you have is very simple. And, you know, it, it's obviously, you know, the films are, are getting older by the day, literally, uh, obviously. Um, but, you know, they're, they're quite innocent. Whereas this is just like, well, now we've got the uh, the opportunity. We're just going to have loads of magic in here. And, and the, the opening scene where you've got Depp's character in this sort of flying uh, chariot led by some sort of strange magical horses, it's all a little bit much. And throughout the film, there's just like, here's some magic. Here's some beasts thrown in. It's all very much in your face. And the actual essence of Harry Potter is, is almost lost. And I'm, I'm concerned about, uh, this, uh, film franchise. This is the second in what is going to be five films. Uh, and this, this film had a feeling of just, it was a stepping stone to the next one. Yeah. So lots and lots of things happen. Loads of stuff happens, but actually if you break it down, all of the stuff that's happened, not a lot actually happens. And the story doesn't really move that far. Um, and it really feels like, particularly the last half an hour, it's just building up for the next instalment. Johnny Depp was brilliant. I really liked his character, actually, which I don't think you're supposed to. Mm. Um, but he spoke a lot of sense. <laughs> this was the problem. You know, in this one major speech he gives where he's talking about 
the, the muggle race and how how terrible we are, he actually has a lot of valid points. Um, and overall, I just found this film, it's, it's not a bad film, but it's certainly not a great one. I think it, it feels empty. It feels a little bit hollow. Yeah. And my concern is is that with five of these films, I mean, how many films were there for the whole Harry Potter series? Eight, wasn't there? Yeah. On seven books. You're almost making as many films in these prequels than there was with the actual main substance of the story. And I was speaking to you off air. I almost feel like J.K. Rowling's got something up her sleeve here in terms of a film or a book or something finishing where she left off with the last Harry Potter films because that's what I want to see. I'm not a big Potter fan. Flashbacks, yes. I want to see some flashbacks. Five films, too many. I I want it to to go forward. You know, I want to see um, Harry Potter and Ron and Hermione when they're older and they're kids. And um, I wonder if that's coming. But overall, for me, this film was a bit of a frantic mess that had enjoyable moments, but uh, but overall, um, a little bit disappointing. So for me, for somebody who is a, a quite a big Harry Potter fan uh, and likes this universe, um, I enjoyed the first Fantastic Beasts film and I felt like there wasn't too many characters within the first film um, and you got a real uh, emotional connection with all of these characters. Now, moving forward to the next film with this one, Fantastic Beasts and the Crime, Crimes of Grindelwald, there are far too many characters bumbled into this film and you don't get the same character development that you had in the first Fantastic Beasts film. And you're, you've got Newt Scamander uh, in the background of this film when really and truly this is his series. This is mm. his uh, films that he is supposed to be the one that's going to be making this move on Grindelwald. Um, and they spent a lot of time, I don't know, uh, trying to move the story along and trying to include Dumbledore Dumbledore's past, trying to include Grindelwald's past, trying to uh, remind us of the characters of the first film, um, of of the of the um, you know the sub characters that mm. are in the first film, and and you're left with not really gaining that same emotional connection, and I I felt that was very disappointing. Um, like you were saying in the first Harry Potter film, there was lots of magic, but it was very innocent mm. and you got a sense as to what each spell or what potion they were brewing, yeah. what the, what it was actually going to do and how it worked. A lot of the magic in this film, it didn't have any substance to it. It just, this is what it was. Mm. And it didn't have any history behind that kind of magic. And, and as somebody who, who enjoys, you know, in the first film, Wingardium Leviosa, the whole how you perform it, how Wingardium it works. Wingardium Leviosa. You know, Leviosa. Leviosa. Not, yeah. not Leviosa. I mean, the, the, the explanations on the magic was part mm. of the, the fun of the Harry Potter films. You, Innocent, fun, connected. Yeah, and, and in this one, there were lots of uh, magic that I just went over my head mm. because they didn't give it enough background. And that's what it felt like for the entire film. There's not enough background on, on the characters, on the magic. And this is supposed to be Fantastic Beasts. Where were the beasts? There weren't very many. I mean, there were, but it just felt like they'd thrown that in there for mm. the sake of it because it's Fantastic Beasts. It, on the first film, there was lots of beasts and there was all of this reasoning behind why yeah. Newt had these characters or these, these beasts here, why his passion uh, was looking, was for looking out for these beasts. None of that was really here at mm. all. Um, and, and it's I very mean, disappointing. I mean, unless I'm being stupid, another problem I have with, with going backwards here and, and having all these fantastic beasts, where are they in, in, in the main Harry Potter series? 
Are they in the books? Are they in the films? Um, no, essentially no. They, they. I mean, they are, but they're mm. not. And they are touched upon in in the books and in in the, in the Harry Potter films. I mean, let's think about for you. Know, Buckbeak's been sentenced to death. Let's think about the connection. Well, we, Aragog. Yeah. Oh, I mean, farewell, Aragog. Yeah. King of the Arachnids. You know that that's a great speech by Jim Broadbent, but the emotional connection we get to Aragog and Buckbeak, and I didn't really get that with these beasts. And again, you know, Aragog and and, and Buckbeak were, were were nice CGI. There was something really unreal about some of these beasts, and really like these, these are CGI beasts. And look at all these beasts, and look at all this magic. This has a potential to become a complicated mess. Mm. Uh, I struggled to follow the plot as well. There's too many subplots going yeah, on. This, yeah. this is the problem. There was twists and turns. And actually, all these twists and turns just re- basically result in the audience going in circles. Mm. So we weren't actually going anywhere. We were just going round. So there was lots of twists and turns, but actually there were little subplots. You know, it's, it, it's a shame. Um, I will say one thing, though. When we went back to... Um, Hogwarts and the original soundtrack came in. I did get a shiver down my spine. I love that original soundtrack. Yeah. Um, and I've got to be honest, you know, you could probably read a synopsis and watch a trailer for this film and, and you won't you won't be missing out. It really does feel like a stepping stone to the next one. Um, and don't get me wrong, J.K. Rowling is a genius. I'm sure that she's got brilliant plots up her sleeve and, you know, I'm expecting the third and the fourth and then the fifth to be better. But... You know, it just felt a bit hollow for me. It was disappointing, um, mm. for sure. Um, but that's not to say that it wasn't a spectacle on the big screen. It, of course, it, yeah. It was. It was fantastic to watch it on the big screen, and 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 I wouldn't have expected to watch it anywhere else. But I mean, the story just lacks the substance that we mm. wanted from the next Fantastic Beasts film. Um, so, David, uh, Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald, is it worth it? I'm going to say yes, Uh, and the reason I'm going to say yes is because, like you said, it's worth seeing in the cinema. This is something that if you want to watch it, go and enjoy it in the big screen with the surround sound. I think Eddie Redmayne's brilliant, Uh, Jude Law's great, and I do like Johnny Depp's character. I like the way he plays him. He doesn't overcook it. There's something very sinister about Depp here, Um, and it's, it's by no means an awful film. And it's by no means a great film. It's a very average stepping stone to the next one. But yeah. if you are invested in this uh, Harry Potter cinematic universe, then I think you've got to go and see it on the biggest screen possible. Mm. I completely agree with you with, with with everything you just said there, and I I I think it's it's definitely worth seeing in the cinema. Um, it, it's just a shame that the a lot of these universe films or or the films that are you know centered around another universe has to happen in in this way and it does it, at times it just felt like they're just trying to peddle more films to get more money and at the end of the day that is their their main aim and uh it's just that's just that's just a shame that it, it mm. makes you feel like that really and truly you you should be craving to see more stories because you enjoy these characters but just not enough emotional connection with these characters not enough explanation not just just a lot of stuff that happens that doesn't really mm. Not, but nothing happens, yeah. essentially. Um, but yeah, it is definitely worth seeing in, 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 in the cinema. It's now time for our second review of week 24 of the Film Review Podcast, and it's The Grinch. David, what is this film about? 
So, uh, Illumination and Universal Pictures bring us an animated version of Dr. Zeus's Christmas classic, The Grinch. Uh, this year, the Who's have decided to make Christmas three times bigger. And for The Grinch, you know, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. He simply cannot bear the Christmas cheer, let alone uh, three times the amount. He therefore decides that he must steal Christmas. Uh, and to do so, he shall pose as the infamous Santa Claus. And instead of delivering presents... Uh, he's going to steal them. Little does he know, however, that Cindy Lou, uh, a young who, overflowing with Christmas joy, plans to capture Santa so she can finally meet him. Uh, let's have a little listen to a clip and then we'll jump straight into our review. I'm sorry for bumping into you, but this is really important. Have you seen my letter? <sighs> and that right there, Max, is the true nature of the Who child. Just write to me, 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 my letter, me, me, me. No, you don't understand. This isn't just a letter. This is the letter. Oh, really? Let me guess. Small child, December 20th, rapidly searching for a really important lost letter. Might it be your list of demands to Santa? They're not demands. It's more like a wish. And what I'm wishing for is really, really important. Well, then why send a letter? I mean, if it's really that important, you should just ask him face to face. Oh, but that's right. No one's ever seen him. Mm, my bad. Come on, Max, let's get out of here. Bye, doggy. So in that clip, we have our two main characters, obviously the Grinch and Cindy Lou. And I, th I believe that's the first time they've actually met. Uh, Cindy Lou's obviously full of Christmas cheer, really excited to send her letter to Santa. And the Grinch is the complete opposite. Now, I'm going to jump straight into my review here and say that I, I, I really didn't enjoy this film. Um, now, I didn't go into this film with my critics head on. Uh, I went in just as a sort of a regular cinema goer, hoping to see uh, a animated version of a classic sort of uplifting Christmas story. And I found the whole thing really underwhelming. Um, so I thought the animation was great. I thought it was vivid. It was bright. Um, I thought that... Um, you know, it, it was aesthetically pleasing and, and the story moved along at quite a steady pace. But I found the Grinch neither likable or unlikable. You know, so the Grinch is supposed to be someone that you really, really don't like. And then you come to love. And I didn't get either of those things. And I contrast it to Jim Carrey's version of the, the Grinch that was much more elaborate and humorous. And you really are what, what I personally really, you know, grasped onto that character and you did actually dislike him but sort of liked him at the same time whereas Benedict Cumberpack's version I just found him a little bit underwhelming and 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 as opposed to being the sort of anti-Christmas horrible Grinch he was just quite sort of sad and lonely um and you know I, I just felt that the whole thing was a little bit again empty you know I didn't it didn't inspire me it didn't uplift me it, it didn't do what i think a christmas film should do you know it was like i said the animation was very good and there was a little bit of humor in there but overall i, I just came out thinking that was a remake and it was a remake that had a little bit for for adults and and it was quite enjoyable for the children but you know i found it very underwhelming um i i, I wasn't a fan of this at all really uh, see, I'm I'm quite the opposite. So I went into this film again without my critical hat on, just like you. Uh, I took that off and uh, and revealed and, a very bald head. Uh, revealed a very bald head and really quite enjoyed this film. There was, uh, you're right. 
there, there's nothing new to this. No. Um, it is the same story retold. And the difference is this is an animated CGI version um, that has Benedict Cumberbatch in the voice of the Grinch. And I really like Benedict Cumberbatch and I liked his version of the Grinch. You're right. It didn't have the real evilness of the Grinch to begin with. You did just feel like you were, you just felt very sorry for him. He was obviously a very lonely Grinch. And I, I connected on that. I, I felt sorry for the Grinch. And as the story progressed, I felt even more sorry for him. Um, and, but I felt there was lots of humorous moments in there for adults as well. Or it's maybe more my humor that I, I quite like the childish, uh, humor. Mm. Um, it's quite, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not it's not adult in the sense that it's going to make an adult laugh, but it will mm. make a child laugh, and I quite like that. And and you know, we all know the story of the Grinch if you've seen it or you've read it to your children or whatnot. Um, you knew what what was coming, but I I I knew what was coming, but I still was didn't expect for myself to be so emotionally connected with the Grinch at the end. Mm. And I actually felt myself having a little tear rolling down my eye. I did actually feel that I felt very connected with it and, mm. and, and therefore I really, really did enjoy it. Um it's strange that you didn't take away the same things as me. I it could be uh, a different cinema screen like you know different people in mm. there you know there were a lot of people in my screen that laughed and it's the same with the johnny english film i think yeah possibly but i i i was thoroughly you know invested in this film i mean the the, the problem i have is so jim carrey's uh portrayal of the grinch uh, was actually uh made in the year 2000 believe it or not so it's 18 years old so i'd have been nine at the time mm. and i remember watching it you know i'd if not in the cinema, I think I watched it on DVD around 10, 11. And I absolutely loved it. So it's it's always going to be difficult for a remake to recapture childhood memories. When you're a child, everything is is better, particularly mm. around Christmas. And it's, it is a very different Grinch. You know, Jim Carrey's Grinch was, you know, unhinged and dramatic and a little bit crazy. And, you know, sort of a, the kind of character that he, he was he was pushed away almost because he was so different. Whereas Benedict Cumberpack's Grinch and the Grinch in this isn't pushed away. He withdraws himself and he's quite lonely. Mm. So it's a different Grinch as opposed to being sort of the mad Grinch who lives on the top of the, the mountain. This is the lonely Grinch. And that sort of does work. And what the film does have, um, you know, and I'm not giving away anything with the ending, is it does have a great message that no one should be alone at Christmas and that, you know, if you do have you know, uh, family that are alone or, or, or neighbours that are alone at Christmas, invite them round. You know, Christmas is a time for friends and family and everyone to enjoy food and, and, and celebrate together. So yeah. it did have a nice message there. For me, it just didn't pack the emotional punch. And there wasn't the connection between the Grinch and Cindy Lou that there was in Jim Carrey's version. You know, Cindy Lou and the Grinch, I you know, that really was close, whereas... This one, not so much. But look, overall, it's it's a film that I think kids will enjoy. I think it's a film that adults um, potentially will enjoy. For me, it it just wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. Mm. Well, for me, it it was it was spot on for me. Um, and uh, in terms of whether or not this was worth seeing in the cinema, mm. David, the Grinch, is it worth it? I'm afraid not. Um, I, 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 I really don't think that this is actually worth seeing in the cinema over Christmas. Um, I think you'd be better off 
staying in, buying uh, Jim Carrey's version on DVD. <laughs> um, that said, look, that's only my opinion, but as an animated film, I, I don't think this is something that necessarily needs to be seen on the big screen. Uh, I think it's something that can be watched at home when it does come out, maybe next Christmas. Um, for me, Jim Carrey's portrayal of the Grinch is sensational. I, I think it was award worthy, actually. Uh, I loved it. So I'm, I'm being <laughs> no, no, I know you're being serious. I'm being, I'm being deadly serious. So I think um, I need to rewatch that version. Uh, right? It's actually yeah, it's 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 on sale in quite a few places. I've only nearly bought it actually in Sainsbury's for five pound. Um, Is it on Netflix? It n- not not at the moment, but um, no, for me, not worth seeing in the cinema. Um, and I may have said uh, I quite like Jim Carrey's version of the Grinch. <laughs> Go and buy that and watch it at home with the family. Yeah, no, I I think it is definitely worth going to see in the cinema and i think it's it's worth going to see uh you know taking you take your kids to go and see it go or even go and see it yourself on your own i that's what i did and i i thoroughly enjoyed it um so a very two very contrasting um reviews there and two very contrasting um uh, opinions on the film but it you know i, I think sometimes we do have that mm. i mean a lot of times we agree with each other on a yeah. lot of films but but i think in this instance um it's vivid it's beautifully animated uh, the voices are great the sounds great and i think that's why it's worth going to see in the cinema but you could equally watch this at home 100 yeah. percent um but yeah for me definitely worth it as always please do get in touch with us uh, via email and let us know what you thought of the grinch and we would love to read your review out on the show and you may even grab yourself a couple of free cinema tickets in the doing so <laughs> certainly can um to contact us now we do have a new email address uh, it's the same beginning bit my mail is worth it but this time it's at is it worth it podcast.com. So it's my mail is worth it at is it worth it podcast.com. Our website has also changed. You can now find us at is it worth it podcast.com. Uh, so now we are much more professional. Uh, we are going places. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't big it up too much, Craig. Uh, we will repeat the email a number of times uh, in the show today so you guys know what it is. But there you go. That is our review, a very contrasting review of The Grinch. You're listening to Is It Worth It, the film review podcast. From just £17.90 a month, you can see any film, any time, as many times as you like. You can get 10% off snacks and drinks in the cinema, then afterwards, why not enjoy 25% off food and drink at Café Rouge, Bella Italia, La Iguana, La Tasca or Belgo. And there's exclusive preview screenings of upcoming releases. If you use the code ISITWORTHIT, you could get £10 off your first month's unlimited card. So why not surprise a loved one with the joy of cinema this Christmas? With films like Mary Poppins Returns, Aquaman, Mortal Engines and Bumblebee, December is a great time to join Cineworld Unlimited. So it's now time for our third review of the podcast and we will be reviewing Creed 2. Craig, what is this film about? So Creed 2 sees Adonis Creed, now heavyweight champion of the world, and his life is about to be turned upside down by two major events. Not only is he expecting the birth of his first child, but also the dilemma of whether to seek vengeance for his dead father. 
Russian boxer Victor Drago, son of Ivan Drago, the man who killed Adonis's father, travels to America and challenges Adonis Creed to a heavyweight fight. Creed must decide whether or not to take the fight and work out what he's fighting for. As Rocky himself puts it, are you here to prove something to other people or to prove something to yourself? Let's take a listen to a clip. You don't think I could beat him? Is that what you're trying no. to say? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm not going to be here forever. And what's that supposed to mean? It means you got to do some smart thinking. Oh, you want to talk about smart decisions, Rock? You in this house all alone. Who been taking care of you? Me. I've been here for you. Who else you got? Listen. I'm taking this fight with or without you. So I think that's a really good clip, actually, because it shows us a little bit what this film is about. It's not just a boxing film, but it's also a drama and a drama that uh, focuses on uh, Adonis Creed's life as well as Rocky Balboa's. And it's a film that poses us uh, quite a number of questions. You know, the main one being what is Adonis Creed fighting for? And it, it, it's an interesting film because it brings up things from from the previous uh, uh, Rocky franchise, most notably um, the death of uh, Adonis's father, Ap- Apollo Creed, who was killed in the ring uh, by Ivan Drago. And this brings back a lot of memories for Rocky. And you can see Rocky's concern for um, uh, Adonis, particularly with the newborn child on the way. Is is it worth risking your life? What are you fighting for? And it's a very valid question. And um, recently, uh, Tyson Fury fought Deontay Wilder. And Tyson Fury came back from several years out of the ring, having bas- uh, battled alcoholism and depression. Uh, and he asked himself those questions as well. Um, because once you're at the top of the heavyweight division and you are the best in the world, mm. it's a lonely place and you have to be motivated. You know, this is what Tyson Fury spoke about. Once he was the best in the world, well, well what next? And particularly with the, the baby on the way, the film poses some some really interesting questions. But unfortunately, it's it's hugely let down by the script. Uh, I've got to say, Craig, I thought the script in this film was dire. Okay. Yep. Re- really, really poor. If and if if you watch it again, you can see both of the actors really trying to to give their best. But the script is very wishy washy, and it it doesn't have much substance. The the script doesn't have the substance that the plot has. Uh, and what we're left with is a slightly disappointing film. And I'll tell you why it's disappointing. I wanted to see more of the uh, life of Adonis Creed, more of his relationship with his partner, and particularly more Rocky Balboa, more about him and, you know, his relationship or his non-relationship with his children and his grandchildren. And there was a little bit of that. And I felt the film was stuck in the middle, so it wasn't quite a drama. And at the same time, it wasn't a boxing film. You know, I'm not a huge boxing fan, but I do enjoy watching boxing. And... Films struggle to really portray the uh, excitement and intensity of a live fight. And I felt the fight scenes in this were really, really wooden and very clearly not real. Do you know what I mean? It didn't have a real feel. It was very unrealistic, to be honest. Uh, Interesting. You know, so from a boxing perspective, as a boxing film, I don't think it was great. And then the drama side of it, it tried to go there and, and be a film of substance. But I think it lacked a little bit there as well. Um, 
I, I, I do want to see a third one of this. That's that's what I'm going to say, and and I'll tell you why. I want them to wrap up the story of Rocky Balboa. I think Stallone has brought a character that will be remembered forever. You know, as an iconic cinema, uh, cinema character, Rocky Balboa is an iconic character, and he deserves a send off. And I think that needs to come because I think they're running out of material here. Uh, I think they need to dive into to Rocky Balboa and his past and his family relationships. And I think Creed needs to, the roles need to be reversed. Creed needs to almost help Rocky. And that needs to be the third film. And and I feel that's the way this film went. Um, and it, it was, it was, it was okay. And it was no more than that. Um, I don't think it was as good as the first one. I think it was a step backwards, not forwards. So, for me, I'm seeing this as a standalone film because mm. I haven't seen any of the Rocky films. I haven't seen the original Creed. Um, and, and that, uh, for me, um, I felt this film was is, is a lot better than what you're saying. So um, the, I know that the original Creed was directed by Ryan Coogler and he also uh, wrote the script as well um, and had a lot of input in that. I know Sylvester Stallone had a lot of input in the script and this time round. Um, and uh, I can see where, what, where you're coming from in terms of the script and the, and the dialogue um, being a little bit uh, shaky. Um, however, I felt the drama element was brilliant, let down slightly by the fact that there wasn't enough uh, characterization of Tef- Tessa Thompson's character, uh, Bianca. Mm. Um, I felt there could have been a bit more development on her side, her music career uh, and things like that. Um, and I... I am not a boxing fan whatsoever. I don't like wrestling. I don't like boxing. I think it's barbaric. And um, for me to come and watch a, a film like this, um, I actually was entertained. And I actually um, I felt the punches being hit. I felt every punch blow by blow um, come. And it felt very realistic to me. Mm. But that's from somebody who hasn't watched a boxing film or not a boxing film, but hasn't watched boxing for real Mm. on television. I stay completely away from it. Um, And I found myself really rooting for the characters. So if it wasn't so realistic, um, would I have been so invested? Well, yes, I think I would have been because I felt myself being invested with with Adonis' Creed character from the very beginning. I felt myself invested in Rocky's character. I don't know Rocky's character very well because I haven't seen the other films, but I mm. felt the past he's had his say and now it's, it's, it's Creed's turn to have his say in these films. And Rocky mm. was there as a supporting, supporting character. Um, and from, as far as I'm aware from the first film, uh, uh, um, Michael B. Jordan's character helped Sylvester Stallone out when he was very ill, when he had cancer. Mm. And that was mentioned in this film as well. So I did get the history and, and it, there was a sense of history repeating itself. And it, whilst it was unfresh in the story in that sense, it still felt fresh. It still felt like it was portraying a a different film, but that's because I haven't seen Mm. the other films. And for me, it really worked as a standalone film and I really did feel invested and I really did, find myself enjoying and enjoyed this film and want to see another film. Um, The only other film that I've seen that made me feel like that was The Wrestler with Tom Hardy. Um, I really, really enjoyed that film. Um, That, that was brilliant. And I think probably better than this film, but it, 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 I can draw some similarities between that film. Mm. There's also a fantastic film called The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. 
um, which is superb. And if you haven't seen that, I recommend you see it. It's really interesting. Sorry, I just need to correct myself. It's not The Wrestler. It's The Fighter with Tom Hardy. The That's Fighter it. with yeah. Tom Hardy. Yeah. Uh Brilliant film, yeah. and also The Wrestler with Mickey, Mickey Rourke. Rourke. I don't know if you've yeah. seen that. That's no, great. I haven't seen that one. Really interesting what you said. Yes, you know, as a standalone film, and if you're not a boxing fan, if you haven't watched live fights, and if you haven't seen any of the ro- other Rocky films, then yeah, I think f- for someone like yourself, that mm. this is definitely worth seeing in the cinema. All I'm saying is we've seen this before. We've seen this in the Rocky films, this down and out and comeback fight, down and out, comeback fight. We, we you know, I'm... I, I just want them to take it somewhere. You know, if 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 you go back and watch all the original Rocky films yeah. and then up to Rocky Balboa, which is his last sort of fight, and then Creed and then this, I think you'll go, yeah, I see what David's saying. Yeah. I think Stallone deserves the opportunity for his story to be wrapped up and almost his his legacy passed on to Adonis Creed. So I definitely want to see another film. I just felt this was very stereotypical and it just went through the motions it ticked the boxes and also one of my major criticisms for it was just the stereotypical russian bad guy um i thought that was yeah i thought that was somewhat you know 1980s uh, you know, post Cold War kind of, you know, all the all the Russians are bad. Mm. In the modern climate, the modern political climate, there's still this real almost hatred between um, a lot of uh, European countries and America and and Russia. But do you know what I mean? It was very st- stereotypical. I am big Russian man. I am here to beat yes. you up. I am bad guy. I killed your dad. You know, it was just like you, you're better than that. You you can have more substance to that. And those characters were somewhat explored near the end of the film. But again, it, like I said, I just feel like it's stuck between a boxing film and a drama. I think it should have gone more down the route of a drama, actually, um, and and almost less of a boxing film. But then at the same time, you could say, well, I wanted a bit more boxing. I just felt like it it, it was confused. It didn't know which way it wanted to go. Yes, I can see where I can see where you're coming from in that from that point of view, and and you have seen the other films. Mm. Um, so for, so for our listeners that have seen the other films, perhaps your view would be more for them. But for mm. for viewers who have the same similar uh, a standing point with, as as I do, um, that haven't seen the other films or have missed films, um, I thought it was great and and really worth seeing in the cinema as well. Um, so I pretty much answered that question. But but for you, David, is is Creed two worth it? Uh, so Craig definitely thinks Creed 2 is worth seeing in the cinema. Um, for me, yes. <laughs> uh, it sort of pains me to say, I, I, I do think it's, it's, it, it's, it's got its problems. And I've, I've listed those, you know, over the last five, ten minutes. But no, nonetheless, I still think it's worth seeing in the cinema because, like you said, when you're watching a boxing film, you, you feel those punches. And it, it's something that I think is effective on the big screen. Um, I think there's going to be a third Creed film, and I really, really hope it's good, and I hope that Sylvester Stallone gets the opportunity to wrap this story up and almost get the send-off that he deserves, because he is getting old, uh, and I do want to see the Rocky universe (laughs) rounded up, or the mantle passed on, because you know it's an iconic uh, character in cinema, Rocky Balboa. It did feel like the the mantle is being passed, So it feels like a third film is going to happen, doesn't yeah. it? But um, yeah, I, I I liked it. You not so much, but I, I think um, yeah, we're both clear that it's worth seeing in the cinema. 
Indeed. <laughs> well, that was our review of Creed 2. So we're now on the fourth review of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. And it's Ralph Breaks the Internet, Wreck-It Ralph 2. David, what is this film about? So, six years have passed since the events of Wreck-It Ralph, and Ralph and Vanellope are now friends. But now the internet is coming to the arcade, Sugar Rush is broken, and it's up to Ralph and Vanellope to venture into the internet to find eBay and get the part needed to fix Vanellope's game. Uh, We've got a little clip here, and in this clip, Vanellope's inside the internet, and she's actually taken a trip to the website Oh My Disney, where she comes across a number of recognisable characters. Whoa, whoa, ladies, I can explain. See, um, I'm a princess too. Wait, what? Yeah, Princess Vanellope Von Schweetz of the Sugar Rush Von Schweetzes. I'm sure you've heard of us, so it'd be embarrassing for you if you haven't. (laughs) What kind of a princess are you? What kind? Do you have magic hair? No. Magic hands? No. Do animals talk to you? No. Were you poisoned? No. Cursed? Cursed? No. Kidnapped or enslaved? enslaved? No. Are you guys okay? Should I call the police? Then I have to assume you made a deal with an underwater sea witch where she took your voice in exchange for a pair of human legs? No. Good (gasps) lord, who would do that? Have you ever had true love's kiss? Ew, barf! Do you have daddy issues? I don't even have a mom. Neither do we! And now for the million-dollar question. Do people assume all your problems got solved because a big, strong man showed up? Yes! What is up with that? She She is a princess. I really love that clip, and I think that's one of the best parts of the film because it's so clever in the sense that Disney love to poke some fun at themselves there. And, you know, know, it, it is part of the whole Wreck-It Ralph and the internet coming together. It's poking fun at all of the modern day cliches of of the internet. And yeah, I'm going to just go straight into it and just say I really, I did enjoy this film very much so. Um, And it is a very good sequel uh, to to, to the original. And it is uh, been long awaited as well, especially on my part. Um, When I first saw the trailer for for this film, I was really looking forward to it. it's that's it's not not to say that it wasn't played with a few problems. Um, first of all, was the pace. I did feel it it did linger at a few moments. Um, however, to to say that that I didn't enjoy it was be a complete lie. It was it was brilliant. It it really was. What did you think? I, I totally agree. I I really really enjoyed this film. Now I wasn't aware that this was actually a sequel, um, which is pretty terrible considering the name is Wreck It Ralph Two. Uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> So I sort of went in uh, blind um, and I really, really enjoyed this film. And I'll tell you why. There's a lot of great stuff, uh, humour and dialogue and uh, visuals for children. Um, But there's also a lot of stuff in here for adults as well. There's some quite sort of mature themes. You know, there's themes of abandonment. There's themes of um, friendship, uh, identity, Mm. you know, things that, that might slightly go over the kids' heads but the adults can dip into. There's some brilliant adult humour, particularly with things like pop-ups on the internet, uh, the way pop-ups are shown. And if you want to know how how on earth can you portray the internet on screen, watch this film. Yeah. Because if, if someone said to me, right, you, you've got to make a film where you show the internet 
on the screen, I'd think you're completely mad. But the way they do it by having these characters go into the internet and basically they're, they're like the little internet signal going around in little sort of like flying machines. Um, and they go from different things from, you know, like Twitter to what would be YouTube. I think it's called BuzzTube or something in this. And they also go via this little guy who's who's almost like Ask Jeeves, but it's something different. Yeah. Uh, and you go up to him and you ask him a question and then you're, you're pinged to the relevant uh, website. And the way it shows the human beings as well on their computers and the interaction between... Uh, it's like their avatars, isn't yeah, it? It's, yeah, it's it's really, really clever. Um, and I mean really clever. I thought it was done brilliantly. The uh, the animation is very vivid, very bright. Um, and, and it's got a good story as well. It's got a story that has um, a good message to it about friendship and about following your dreams and about sometimes having to uh, be less clingy uh, as a friend. And overall, I, ju- I just re- really, really liked it. You know, I... I I'll keep the review fairly short. I think this is the film for families to see in the cinema at the moment. You know, compared to The Grinch, this is far, far better. I think, you know, I know The Grinch is a, a Christmas film, but if you're going to take your kids uh, to the cinema, you know, in the in the coming weeks, I really recommend Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, sorry, Ralph Breaks the Internet, whatever it's called. This film is good. Go and see it. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you. It's it's definitely up there as the, as the family film to go and see this December and I think the box office definitely reflects that at the moment uh, we'll wait to see on Wednesday what the box office was like for, for this weekend that just just gone um, but Wreck-It Ralph is up there at number two uh, number one sorry and uh, it is not Wreck-It Ralph it's Ralph Breaks the Internet must get this title right it has plagued me for the for a long time I keep calling it Wrecking It Ralph it's Ralph Breaks <laughs> the Internet Wreck-It Ralph too bit of a mouthful um, but yeah, I love the way everything was portrayed on the screen. How they portrayed Twitter yeah, with, the, yeah. with, the, with the birds in, in, in yeah. the trees. All all of these little quirks um, as as how you portray a digital form mm. uh, in in a in a unique way. And it it was yeah really well done. Uh, David, Ralph breaks the internet. Is it worth it? Yes, one hundred percent. And that's all I'm going to say. I really do recommend going to see this film. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Good. I enjoyed it as well, and I would say it's very much so worth going to see in the cinema. And as you said, vivid colours, brilliant sound, uh, definitely worth seeing on the biggest screen possible, I think, because you'll get the most amount of colour coming out at you. Uh, so, yeah, so that's our review of Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, sorry, Ralph Breaks the Internet. <laughs> Can't get it right. It's now time for our fifth review on this week's episode. And the wonderful Craig Fields will be going hand solo here and he will be reviewing Robin Hood. Craig, take it away. Well, we all know the beloved story of Robin Hood. It's a it's a film that uh, the English people or the United Kingdom really do adore, uh, and it's been made multiple times uh, over the last um, you know twenty, maybe even thirty years. I'd say. Uh, obviously, we had Robin Hood, King of Thieves. Uh, we had uh, Robin Hood with Russell Crowe in it, and now we've got this one, and I think there's probably a various few others in between that as well. I love the animated version, the Disney animated the, the version. Di- oh, Disney animated version as well. Big fan. Um, big fan of that, so actually, as myself as well. Um, very much so enjoyed the Russell Crowe version as well. Um, and then we've arrived at this one, and uh, it feels like uh, we've got 
uh, a few producers and directors on board who watched uh, a film, uh, King Arthur's <laughs> Guy Ritchie's uh, Guy Ritchie's King Arthur, and uh, they, you know, how uh, you, did you see that film? I haven't. You seen haven't it, seen no. the film, so let me just give you a little bit of a description of King Arthur. It's basically like a Cockney version of of King Arthur, and uh, they just run around with, uh, saying very Cockney things, and they thought, and and these guys, producers and directors that were watching it, thought, oh my god. This is a brilliant idea. Let's transform Robin Hood into a Cockney version, mm. and uh, yeah, and that's exactly what they've done. Um, it's it's just ridiculous. Um, they turn the characters completely upside down and 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 uh, morph them into something we've never seen on screen before. And in my opinion, it's done in a really bad way. Um, so. At the beginning of the film, we see Maid Marion breaking into Robin's house, trying to steal a horse to give to a family that re- that requires this horse, and uh, and and Robin actually quite likes this and 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 thinks this is very valiant of her, and uh, they end up falling in love. And many years pass, and you think, well, maybe Robin's going to be taking on that role of being, you know, stealing from the rich, giving to the poor at this point because of Maid Marion. However, no, that doesn't happen. He's just a selfish bugger and wants to uh, just get it on with Maid Marion the entire time. Until the Crusades come around and he is called up to service to go and and fight in this war. And uh, when they get to this war, it basically looks like it's the Middle East. And uh, they're holding their bows and arrows like their AK-47 guns, walking around, holding them, firing them at rapid speeds, uh, blowing stuff up with their bows and arrows, chinks Mm -hmm. of bricks flying everywhere and uh, and it just absolutely ridiculous and I, I saw this with James actually and uh, we we just throughout the entire film just looking at each other like what is going on here um, just just ridiculous um, but anyway during the crusade Robin <laughs> finds himself uh, trying to stop a beheading of uh, one of the prisoners of war um, because obviously the prisoner is unarmed and Robin Hood is trying to be valiant um, and ends up getting himself uh, rather hurt and sent back on a ship back to back to Nottingham. And when he comes back, he discovers that uh, Maid Marion is no longer in his possession. He, she no longer belongs to him and has been uh, rushed, uh, sort of swept off her feet by none other than Dorian Gray from the Fifty Shades trilogy. Oh, good uh, Lord. Which obviously didn't go... Well, might have gone down quite well for May Marion, but I'm not really <laughs> Some sort too of sure. S- spooky uh, combination of the two films there. Yeah, and uh, Robin is morphed into the Robin Hood that we sort of know, mm. stealing from the rich, uh, uh, or mainly the sheriff of Nottingham, and 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 trying to give to the to the poor, um, and causing an uprise mm. in the, the 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 entire process all the way through. Um, I felt that the acting in this was pretty terrible, and I think that's because of a the script. Be the directing. Um, the visuals were quite entertaining from time to time, but they just didn't fit the era of what this film was supposed to be set in, um, and it just didn't just didn't work at all. Mm. Um, we, it's it's difficult for me to really give you uh, an opinion on this film because the opinion of it is just it's just terrible, mm. and and that is the opinion that I'm just going to go with. I can't find anything good within this film maybe other, actually yes i can oh oh ben mendelson i think that's his name i have to look that up but um he played the sheriff of nottingham and he was the best thing on screen the mm. entire time the bad guy uh the same as alan rickman in in robin hood king of thieves he was the standout character or standout actor within that film it's the same in this one and 
it's just unfortunate. Um, you know, we had, uh, what's his name? Taron Eg- Egerton. Egerton. That's it. Um, you know, usually he's quite good in, in, in some of the films that I've seen. He was really good in, in Kingsman um, and, and the follow up to that. And this, it just felt like, yeah, put mm. a Cockney accent on and, and you'll be fine. And yeah, not the case. I mean, before I ask you the, the question, unfortunately or possibly fortunately, I haven't seen this film, but I have seen the trailer a few times and it looks horrific. Mm. It looks like you've taken a really simple, traditional story and completely ruined it with ridiculous acting, ridiculous voices and, you know, the explosions. And like you said, holding bow and arrows like guns. I mean, the trailer looked terrible um, and your review seems to have affirmed that. So I will ask you the question, Craig. Robin Hood, is it worth it? Uh, Definitely not. Um, For me, it was just a really poor example of Hollywood trying to, to make another film on the beloved story of Robin Hood and uh, and it's just a shame that Taron Egerton didn't get a chance to flex his actual acting muscles here um Jamie Foxx as well as, as little John just uh I mean he's a great actor but it just didn't fit the role at all Ben Mendelsohn um brilliant Sheriff Nottingham and then we just had Tim Mitchin in there as Friar Tuck um somehow supposed to be a, a British born Friar, but mm. actually comes across as an Australian. Very, it's just very strange and just doesn't fit the film whatsoever. Uh, so yeah, definitely not worth going to see. So there you have it, folks. That was Craig's review of Robin Hood. So I'm about to do another review on my own. David is no longer here with us tonight. He, I mean, he's still alive, um, but he is, has gone home uh, and I have to carry on with the films that I have seen um, that he hasn't. So the next film I'm going to be reviewing is The Girl in a Spider's Web. So this sees Claire Foy take on the role of Lisbeth Salander. Uh, and David and I have spoken about Claire Foy on the show before. Uh, she was one of the best parts of First Man uh, in terms of acting. Uh, she kept the emotional tension together within that film. And I think she carried that film very well as a supporting role. Within this film, she is the title character. She has to carry the weight of this film uh, um, on her shoulders completely. Uh, And now, whilst Lisbeth is supposed to be a withdrawn, long-suffering, calculated character, as she was in the original film, and I'm not talking about the Hollywood remakes either, I'm talking about the actual original Girl in the Dragon Tattoo, um, which were fantastic. In this film, um, it really does feel like uh, she is some kind of superhero. Uh, She's this hacker that steals back a piece of software from the NHS, from the NHS? No, from the NSA uh, for Stephen Merchant, who wrote this software. Uh, now, what can this software do? Well, it can control all the missiles in the world from all different countries. So whoever has this software can basically play God. Um, Foy somehow becomes Batman in this film uh, and it has all the Hollywood values of a superhero movie. Uh, Now, that's not to say I didn't enjoy this film. I thought the story was intriguing while also a little far-fetched. I felt that there was a touch of Mission Impossible going on, but it never quite 
uh, got that far. So either I wanted more action or I wanted more drama. And I, I haven't quite made my mind up as to what I really wanted this film to be. But it it wasn't the originals. It's not the Mission Impossible. It's not Batman. It's not a superhero film. It's a mixture of everything. Now, does that work? Probably not. No. But I did actually enjoy the film. Uh, is this film worth it? Yes, I, th- I think it does translate fairly well to the screen and it was enjoyable as I said on, on in the most part but is it it is with it isn't without its problems and I, I but I do still think Claire Foy did a fantastic job um in being Batman and this strange melancholy Elizabeth as well um I mean the the story has been played in a sense because the original writer of of the girl in the dragon tattoo passed away uh, a new writer had been drafted in to create this story and then obviously uh, the film has taken a hollywood now route essentially so it has that hollywood feel about it where the other films don't have that hollywood feel but they have this very detective deep uh, analysis of of a, of a character um, but yeah, I do think it's worth going to see in the cinema. Uh, and that is then, therefore, my review of The Girl in the Spider's Web. From the 1st of October, Starbucks, located within Cineworld, Hemel Hempstead, will be opening its doors from 8am. So if you like a cup of the dark roast as much as I do... Or a croissant... Why not head down to Starbucks, located in Cineworld, Hemel Hempstead? Please drink caffeine responsibly. So, on to our next review, and we will be taking a look at Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Craig, take it away. So, with Marvel taking back the reins uh, of the Spider-Man franchise for the live-action stuff, uh, and, and, and Sony Pictures simply owning the rights to it, uh, when I saw they were going to be bringing an animated version of Spider-Man, uh, um, to the big screen, I, I was rather worried. Um, but when I did finally see a trailer for it, I was I was more than intrigued. Uh, a story that showed Miles Morales as the new Spider-Man with different versions of Spider-Man coming from other universes. Uh, it looked very, very good. So what's the film about? Well, we we all take we all know Peter Parker's origin story, uh, but Miles's fresh take on an origin story is really good. Even though he's bitten by a similar spider and is already a Spider-Man in his universe, things start to go wrong when Kingpin tries to build some kind of particle accelerator in the effort to bring others over from other dimensions. Spider-Man gets in the way of this and ends up bringing all the other Spider-Men and women into this universe. Let's take a listen to a clip. What are you doing, bud? I can't move! Okay, relax your fingers. We don't have time. Just just let go. Be in the moment. I am in the moment. It's a terrible moment. They're right there. They're gonna see you. Miles, you gotta unstick. What do you do to relax? Relax. Needless to say, I uh Oh, for crying out loud. Calling it quits now, baby. I'm aware. Ah! Teenagers, just the worst. Miles, where did you go? I'm right here. Where? I can't see you. I'm right in front of you. Can Spider-Man turn invisible? Not in my universe. Ah! You just poked me in my eye. This is incredible. Some kind of fight or flight thing. What's that? (laughs) 
So uh, I think that's a really great clip. And I'm going to jump straight in and say I think this is a fantastic film. When I saw the trailer, I thought, what the bloody hell is going on here? I was I was really confused and I thought, oh, no, this this looks this looks bad. I didn't think the trailer looked great. Um, and I had my concerns, as, as Craig knows and our regular listeners know, I'm not a huge sort of uh, superhero fan. Uh, it is growing on me and, and the Avengers films and uh, films like Black Panther have really helped to sort of engage me in that universe. But I thoroughly enjoyed this and I'll tell you why. It's, it's really well made. The script is great. The storyline is very engaging. And the way it pulls these various different universes together and the way it shows these uh, different universes and these parallel universes it and pulls them all in, it's, it's really clever. And the way it's made is very comic book-like in the way it's, it's, it's sort of put onto the big screen. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb here and say, apart from The Incredibles 2, I think this is the best animated film that's come out in the last, well, certainly in the last 12, 14 months that we've been uh, yeah. um, unlimited. I, I really enjoyed it. it. It's funny and it's got slapstick humour as well as dark humour. Uh, it's also emotionally engaging. Uh, it's visually really quite impressive as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the way New York is portrayed um, in this sort of strange, almost 3D comic book CGI mix. It's very odd, but brilliant. It works uh, very it, well. And it really does work. And, you know, I, I was going into this expecting it to be pretty terrible. Uh, and it wasn't. It was far from that. And um, when I came out, I jumped on my Rotten Tomatoes and it's got great scores on there. Really good scores from both audiences and critics. We're talking 90 percent uh, and rightly so. Um, yeah, for me, this is this is a great film. And for people who aren't interested in Spider-Man, for people who don't understand that universe, you can see this film. It's self-explanatory. It's a standalone film in many ways. And I thought it was great. It's so funny, and and and, and I think the humor of Spider-Man throughout the years has has dropped, uh, mm. especially in these new live-action films with Spider-Man: Homecoming. Uh, and um, I mean, there is the still there is still humor in them, but it's it's very different. And um, this is 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 just so funny. It's as you said, it was dark. Um, it was very emotionally engaging. Mm. And 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 for every single reason that you just said, I I just completely agree with you. It just vividly, it's just beautiful on the big screen and i've seen some behind the scenes stuff of how they made it and you know all hand drawn in in photoshop and then animated um and and the storyline is just unbelievably engaging just just brilliant just just what it's one of the best a spider-man films and b i think it's the best animated film of the year Mm. and i think even better than incredibles 2 um which is saying something because I really enjoyed Incredibles too. Um, it's up there for me as being one of one of my favourite films of the year, possibly as well. And that's that's also yeah, saying that, something. That, that's pretty incredible. But you're right. No, it, 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 I mean to be in the same league as Incredibles two is is a great achievement. But it it, it is great, you know. And um, yeah, I was I was really blown away by this film. And uh, do you know what? I'm probably going to go and see it again, and that's saying a lot because yeah, the only too. films that I've seen more than once are my two favourite films since doing the podcast, which is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, and um, A Star Is Born. Good lord, <laughs> I nearly I nearly forgot the name of it. This was great, and uh, I'm going to be you know actively recommending this film. And I never thought I would say go and see a Spider-Man cartoon, but Craig asked me the question. 
David, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, is it worth it? Yes, 100% worth it. Um, fantastic. Really, really great. Funny, moving. Um, and I, I, I'd, lo- I'd love to see more films like this in this style. And yeah. also, just, just a quick mention, um, you know, after the passing of, of Stan Lee as well, there is obviously a little cameo in there and a little tribute as well. And I found that quite moving, um, you know. And, and, and it's weird, isn't it, having... Stanley just passed away and what he wanted to create with his superhero um, franchises was it's for everyone. Anyone can be a superhero. I think it's the mm. quote that um, is sort of a lot of people have been using after he passed. You know, th- th- this is for everyone. And this film is for everyone. Go and see it. Yeah, I completely agree. So worth seeing on the big screen. Um, and and I think a, a whole family can go and see this, really. It's it's open for everybody to go and see. Um, and uh, just, yeah, fantastic film. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It's now time to take a look at Green Book. Uh, we're not going to go into a full review. Uh, David, explain why. So uh, we were fortunate enough to see this film incredibly early because we are unlimited card holders. This was uh, Cineworld's unlimited uh, screening quite recently. Green Book's not due out for a couple of months uh, and we got to see it early. Uh, One of the perks, obviously, of being unlimited. So what is Green Book about? Well, Green Book follows the story of Dr. Don Shirley, a world-class black pianist whose music tour takes him right into the Deep South. Uh, And with concerns for his safety, he decides to hire a bodyguard and personal driver in the form of Tony Lip, who's sort of a rugged Italian-American from the Bronx. And this is the story of two very different men on one very unique journey and we're not really going to say much more than that other than when this film comes out it is 100% worth seeing it's worth seeing because it has two phenomenal leads and the leads really make this film worth seeing um it's and and it's also uh, an eye-opening uh, story it's quite an inspiring story a unique story uh, the film is very beautifully shot uh, and this is most definitely an oscar contender uh, i would be shocked uh, if it doesn't get a nomination for uh, best picture uh, along with a number of uh, nominations for possibly you know best actors best supporting actors things like that but i was delighted when i uh, um realized this was green book i really was because mm. you know I, I had a variety of different things in my head this wasn't one of them because no. like i said it's not out for a few months and it, it, it what we have to mention it is a secret screening mm. so when we walked into the cinema we had no idea what no. this was going to be and and cinewell put a number of these secret screenings on and i believe this was their 10th uh, yeah. a secret screening and uh, we both actually missed the the BBFC uh, introduction with the title card yeah. on it, so we didn't actually know even at that point what the film was. For you, I think you realised much earlier on what the yeah. film was. I, it took me a much longer time because I hadn't even seen the trailer for this film. Yeah, so I, I realised uh, what the film was just obviously once I saw one of the lead actors come up, and also um, I've been quite excited to see this film because, like I said, I genuinely believe it's 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 a contender for best picture. I still think The Star Is Born will win. Um, but it's, I'm, I'd be very surprised if it wasn't nominated. And, you know, I wasn't disappointed. I really, really enjoyed this. I'm looking forward to letting the viewers know exactly why and giving it more in-depth analysis when it comes out. But, folks, let me tell you, when this comes out in cinema, 100% worth it. Get to your local Cineworld and book this 
film <laughs> yeah no i'm it's 100 percent worth uh going to see and and obviously we're not going to express uh a more in-depth take on it as david just said but we are really looking forward to giving you this review and it's going to be in the round about february when this comes out early january uh or, sorry late january um but yeah totally totally worth doing Yes, that's right. It's now time for the news and me and Craig are going to be sharing the news this week and we're going to be focusing on the Golden Globes. Uh, the nominations are out, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what's been nominated and what chances we think these films have. Uh, and we're going to start with probably the biggest award, which is Best Motion Picture Drama. The nominees are Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, If Beale Street Could Talk, and A Star Is Born. Now, for our regular listeners, uh, you will remember that for quite a while I've been saying that I believe that Black Panther and or Black Klansman would be nominated for an Oscar, and that has sort of been boosted here by the fact that both of these have been nominated for Best Motion Picture Drama. Uh, slightly surprised to see Bohemian Rhapsody in there, um, if I'm honest, uh, particularly as it, there's another category, Best Motion Picture Comedy or Musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd probably have have had it nominated in there, but never mind. Uh, I think A Star Is Born um, will most certainly win that category. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to see Black Klansman nominated and Black Panther as well. I think, I think they're deserving of, of their nominations. It's interesting to see that there's obviously a best motion picture musical or comedy and best motion picture drama. And in, in, in drama, you've got A Star Is Born and Bohemian Rhapsody in there. Yes, they're dramas, but they are very musical centric. Mm. And 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 they're not in the other category. I mean, it there is, uh, they are obviously more drama focused in yeah. some respects. Um, Whereas Mary Poppins is more of a a musical. So in the best motion picture comedy or musical, we've got Crazy Rich Asians, The Favorite, Green Book, Mary Poppins Returns, and Vice. Uh, and for me, it will be a two horse race there between Green Book and Vice. And Vice is about uh, a film about Dick Cheney. Um, and the lead role in that, I keep forgetting his name. It's Christian Bale. <laughs> Christian Bale. He's put on a lot of weight. He's unrecognisable. Yeah, that's why um, you don't know who, yeah. what his name is. So, um, you know, I'm not surprised to see that nominated. And, you know, I think that's Vice has also got a chance of an Oscar nomination uh, as well. So other notable categories, we have Best Performance by an Actor Drama. Bradley Cooper is nominated for A Star Is Born, Willem Dafoe at Eternity's Gate, Lucas Hedges gets nominated for Boy Erased, Rami Malek, rightly so, gets nominated for Bohemian Rhapsody, and John David Washington gets a nod for Black Klansman. For me, it's a one-horse race, the race is over, Bradley Cooper wins. <laughs> I, I don't know if it is a one horse race Bradley Cooper is phenomenal in The Star Is Born but Rami Malek and John David Washington John David Washington for Black Klansman I think I think they're neck and neck or at least Bradley Cooper's leading that but Bradley Cooper yeah. wins <laughs> uh, and then best best performance by an actor musical or comedy we've got Christian Bale for Vice um, Lynn manuel Miranda for Mary Poppins, uh, Vigo Mortensen for Green Book, Robert Redford, The Old Man and the Gun, and John C. Riley for Stan and Ollie. Again, one horse race. Christian Bale wins. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and then, yeah, we obviously got Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress. Um, and... best, perform- uh, best Performance by an Actress in a Drama is interesting, looking at that. Have you got that? Yeah, Lady Gaga wins. Yeah, well, Glenn Close as well. We talked about that for The Wife. I mm. mean, she was phenomenal. She in was that. phenomenal. Uh, and a- again, for the Oscars, it seems like it is a two-horse race between Glenn Close and Lady Gaga. But for me, Lady Gaga wins not only the Golden Globe, the BAFTA, also the Oscar. <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely um, an interesting year um, for for nominations in Golden Globes, Oscars, BAFTAs, etc. Mm. And it'll be very interesting to see how the Golden Globes unfold this year. Uh, and it will give us a clear indication yeah. as to how uh, the Oscars mm. will go. And I think the Oscars are obviously the biggest one that we're most interested in. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. Also, I'd just like to briefly touch upon Best Supporting Actress. I'd like to see that go to Claire Foy for First Man. Thought she was phenomenal. Then, this is the interesting one, Craig. Best Director. We've got Bradley Cooper, A Star Is Born. Alfonso Cuaron, Roma. Uh, Peter Farrelly, Green Book. Spike Lee, Black Klansman. And Adam McKay, Vice. I think uh, Alfonso Curon, if I've said that correctly, wins for Roma. I also think Roma wins best screenplay. Um, and it's going to be interesting. Roma out on Netflix later this month. Can a Netflix film win at the mm. big awards? Can it take home uh, a best picture uh, Oscar? Um, I would be, be very surprised. It'd be very interesting to see. And we will be bringing the review of Roma next week as it is out on Netflix on the 14th of uh, December, so yeah. um, we're going to bring that on. I, I can see it winning, you know, foreign language film, not only at the Golden Globes, also at the Oscars. Mm. Uh, best original song, without a doubt, that will go to Shallow, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper in A Star Is Born. And finally, I just wanted to mention, we talked about uh, animated films uh, and what and what we've really enjoyed. Well, have a look at this. Um, best motion picture animated, Incredibles 2. We 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 loved it. Isle of Dogs, we loved it. Yeah. Ralph Breaks the Internet, we've literally reviewed that today and loved it. And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So, um, a, that's a really difficult one to pick, isn't it? That is tough. Um, I haven't looked Spider-Man. at the betting, so I have absolutely no idea. Um, Spider-Man, I think, for me, takes it. Yeah, I, I think it would be between Spider-Man and Isle of Dogs. Hmm. And that's the news for this week, uh, where we took a look at the Golden Globe nominations for 2019 Golden Globes. Uh, If you have an opinion on what we've talked about on this week's news, please do get in touch with us via email, Facebook, Instagram, and all the other various channels that we have. And in other news, Odeon has decided it's appropriate to charge its customers £40 to go to the cinema. That's right, £40 to go to the cinema with Odeon at Leicester Square. And that was the news brought to you by Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. It's now time for our next review, which is Mortal Engines. Now, this has to be one of the most bizarre films I think I have ever seen. What it's about, I'm still not really sure, but I'm going to try and summarise it for you. Uh, We're hundreds or thousands of years after civilization has been destroyed by some sort of cataclysmic event. Uh, We're sort of led to believe some sort of nuclear war has happened. And we have this mysterious young woman, Hester Shaw. She's sort of a lone vigilante. We know very little about her. She has a scarf across her face Uh, and she has a bit of a bone to pick with london which is now a giant predator city on wheels um i kid you not that sort of roams around this barren landscape 
killing anyone or destroying everything in its path. And she um, is a victim of, of this city. She's captured and she uses this as an opportunity to take vengeance uh, on one particular uh, character. Um, she's trying to uh, avenge the uh, death of her mother. And this is this is one of the most sort of bizarre films I've ever seen. It's It's a sort of post... Uh, apocalyptic drama, some sort of Star Wars meets Green Goblin meets Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, it was a bit of a mess, and I'm going to play you a clip now, and it's a pretty terrible clip, and uh, I'll explain why after uh, after the clip, why I've chosen it. Hester! Take this, and stay out of sight until I give you the signal. What signal? I'm not that subtle. So the reason I chose that clip is I think it sums up what this film is. Loud, chaotic, and at sometimes completely farcical. We're thrown into this bizarre, shambolic universe immediately with absolutely no dialogue for the first four, five minutes of the film. Felt much longer where there's this huge London just tearing around and there's just noise and this soundtrack that is relentless throughout the whole film it, it doesn't stop i came out with a thumping um a thumping headache eventually the mortal energies come uh, mortal engines or so whatever the film's called comes up <laughs> on the screen uh, and then we we're, we're given some dialogue and actually the plot starts to develop and in a strange way in some bizarre way it becomes intriguing i i don't know how or why i mean you're clearly watching something that is futuristic yet set in the past if that makes sense having yep. seen it yep. so it's set in the future but they seem like they're in the past but somehow you're, you're drawn in um to this to this bizarre story and you know visually it's quite impressive the way london which has obviously been destroyed in this war uh, and then rebuilt and put back together in this moving city is, is quite clever the great use of the london eye i don't know if you spotted that and yeah, a few yeah. other london um landmarks in there uh, and that was, you know, visually it was it was quite interesting. Um, I felt like a lot of the acting was uh, really qu quite ropey. So I thought the standout performance was from Hera Hilmer, who plays Hester Shaw. I thought she was really, really good. And I think she was leagues ahead of all the other actors around her, who oh, yeah. at times I thought were quite wooden. Uh, it felt very amateur dramatics. You know, I am this character and I'm going to deliver my lines like this. Well, and well, just interrupting with with, in, with that so I can just say Robert Sheehan, mm. I felt like he put on this English accent that just ruined, yeah, ruined his character completely. And uh, but however, Hugo Weaving, I thought was was top notch as well, as mm. well as uh, as well as Hera, play, who played Hester Shaw. I thought those two were the standout performances mm. without a doubt. 
You know, they they weren't given a lot to work with in terms of script. And the, the problem with this film is it was, in some ways, it was so ridiculous that you forgave it. You said, you know, five minutes and I said, well, this is nonsense. Let's be honest. This mm-hmm. is stupid. But I'm going to go with it. And when you do go with it, you are taken on a fairly enjoyable cinematic journey. It's very loud and you'll probably need a few ibuprofen afterwards. <laughs> but somehow it, it is entertaining um, I mean, there are some bits in the film that are just ridiculous. Uh, another part where we have a floating city, um, in some, you know, a city floating on what looks like a huge hot air balloon, and the whole thing goes up in fire, and it's just very, you know, dramatic. And then we have this sort of green goblin turn up with these green eyes, and there's no real explanation initially as to why he's in the film. When we do find out why, actually, his character is one of my favourites. Yeah. But very odd. You've got this sort of robot in a universe of moving cities, but the cities that are moving look like something out of the 1900s. Everything seems to be driven by coal. Um, Star Wars-esque with things flying around. Uh, obviously, I think it's made by the same people who made Lord of the Rings. Well, and... Yeah, P- Peter Jackson was involved into the, in this massively. So it has got a Lord of the Rings-ish feel. Uh, in terms of what actually happened, I, I can't really remember. There was a lot of explosions. Um, <laughs> there was There was a love story. There was a very big wall that was blown up. Um, it was bizarre. Entertaining... Entertaining rubbish. Okay, my 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 view um, is that yes, entertaining chaos is what yeah. I'm going to call it. Um, I didn't think it was rubbish because actually I thought technically, cinematically it was brilliant and and very entertaining without a single shadow of a doubt. Entertaining tosh. Uh, enter- entertaining chaos. I'm going to stick with that because I don't, <laughs> I don't think it was tosh because I think the source material that it came entertaining from. Entertaining chaos. Uh, I'll go with like that. Like a teenage, a teenage novel of some sort um, mm. that I think a lot of people have actually grown up with. Um, unfortunately, I haven't read this book, but I'm going to actually endeavour to, to read this actually, mm. possibly tonight and, uh, and see well, if I can... The whole thing? Yeah. Not all of it tonight, but I will start reading tonight. Oh, I and, you meant uh, tonight, I'm going to read the whole thing. No, no, no. I'm going to attempt to to start reading it um, from tonight, and and just see if I can draw the comparisons mm. to see just how ridiculous this is translated onto screen. Because mm. essentially, these moving cities that that London that is a moving city on wheels that cannibalizes other cities around uh, the the plains of what used to be Europe and and, and Asia and whatnot that have, that have just fallen apart because of mass explosions and nuclear mm. war of some. Kind. Well, it's it's caused some sort of tectonic shift, hasn't it? So some, the map's some kind different. Of, yeah, everything's different now, and uh, you know, it's almost like this. It, the same things happened to the source material. It's just been cannibalized, <laughs> and bits have been ripped out, pages mm. have been ripped out, lost throughout time, and then they've tried to piece it back together, uh, and then deliver a visually stunning film. Mm. And I think that's the best analogy that I can give um, in terms of what this used to be and and could be. In terms of um, in terms of acting, you've you've already said it, and I've already said it, but uh, I really didn't like Robert Sheehan in this film. I mean, he he he's been great in a few other films that I've seen him in, but it's the forced English accent, and and a lot of characters had this forced English accent whilst riding around on 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 London that really didn't sell it to me. And yeah. it's it's clearly for that American market that they've put, had to put on this this distinguished English accent. Um, however, Hugo Weaving didn't force it so much, but still, 
it was still there. But Hugo Weaving, I mean, he, he almost like he was playing V from Vendetta again. He was playing the V character again, but mm. without the mask this time. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought he was probably top bill, you know, definitely one of the best uh, actors within there. I agree with you. Hester Shaw, um, played by Hera. Him, Himmer, Himmler? Himmler? Can't really see that. That's not Himmler. I'm not sure. Uh, it could be. Hilmar. Hilmar. Um, definitely not Himmler. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear, Craig. Uh, oh, God. Um, but no, she was also fantastic. And David, Mortal Engines, is it worth it? I can the face he's pulling now. He's struggling to to comprehend whether this is worth it or not. I I'm struggling. Yeah, it's that's <sighs> it is difficult, isn't it? You want an engaging story, and you got bits of engagement, and you got visual look, stunning things that only will translate well on a big screen. Look, I'm going to say this: if you want to see Mortal Engines, you have to see it in the cinema. This is a film that you know visually uh, is 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 very satisfying. I mean, the audio is relentless; it's a pounding. You will need some paracetamol and ibuprofen afterwards. <laughs> but th- so, but then again, that that's sort of the idea. I think they want to Im- immerse you in this crazy post-war, loud, noisy. Uh, and one of the ca- characters does actually touch upon that, doesn't he? Um, mm. When he gets off of London and he's in the countryside, just how quiet and peaceful it is. So look, if you want to watch Mortal Engines, then yes, 100%, it's a film that you have to see in the cinema. Is it a film worth seeing, point blank? I don't think so. I think it's very chaotic, very confused. And the last thing I want to say is the the, the people who had the rights to this film... The, the rights were running out, mm. so they only had a limited time where they could actually make this film and get it out unless they wanted to lose the rights. And it feels like a film that, right, we've got to make it, and it felt a bit rushed. And, you know, look, if you want to see it, see it in the cinema. But if, if you know, overall, it's it's not it's not a great film. It, it's a bizarre concoction of a variety of genres in a, a strangely odd, somewhat satisfying mess. Mm satisfying entertaining chaos and i agree with the way you just said go and see it and if you're going to see it anywhere in in the cinema that's the best place to go and see it and i think we've had a few of those films today mm. on this week's show where they are chaotic messes and, and and might not be the best film in terms of story but in yeah. terms of visual entertainment they are worth seeing on the big screen it epitomizes the popcorn film the kind of film yeah. where you go, you get stuck into some popcorn. There's lots of noises. It's a, it's a bit of a night out, you know, subject matter wise and script wise. It, it's it's ropey, but somehow it, in a bizarre way, it, it's sort of awfully okay. Mm. We'd love to hear what you thought of mm. this film, actually. So if you can and if you will, please send us an email to my mail is worth it at is it worth it podcast.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can also message us on there so we can uh, gather up all of your messages uh, and then uh, we will probably read them out on next week's show when we do the box office rundown. And don't forget, if you do email us or tweet us uh, and we do read it out on the show, you will win. In two free tickets to any Cineworld in the UK, valid for six months, including IMAX. That makes it worth about £30, so really fantastic prize. And we love, 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 love hearing from you. So that was our rather chaotic review of a rather chaotic <laughs> film, Mortal Engines.
So it's now time for another review, uh, and this one's coming straight from me. Uh, this is Tulip Fever. Uh, this film has been long delayed. It made a US debut in September 2017, and it's finally made its way across the pond to the UK. Uh, it stars Alicia Vikander, Christopher Waltz, and Judy Dench, and they all find themselves uh, a little bit lost in this adaption of a 17th century drama. It's set on the backdrops of a Dutch tulip market, and it slowly turns, unfortunately, into an episode of EastEnders. It's utterly far-fetched after the midway point, um, and it's, it's, it's an adaption of Deborah Monarch's novel, and uh, I'm sure that the novel goes way more in-depth and is a lot more explicit and is less of an episode of EastEnders. Well, at least I hope it is. Uh, we follow Sophia, who's played by Vikander, stuck in a marriage with Cornelius, who's played by Christopher Waltz. Now, all he wants is a son and an heir to his peppercorn riches. And as a consolation to his sadness, he hires a local artist or painter to paint a portrait of himself and his wife. Now, the problem that I have is around about this point, the part where we're introduced to Jan Van Lu, who is played by Dane DeHaan. So he's the artist. Uh, and so in everything that I've seen him in from The Amazing Spider-Man 2 to, to Valerium, he's an absolute drip. Uh, and for him to suspend my belief that Sophia would then fall in love with this artist is, is utterly ridiculous because he is nothing more than just terrible. Um, he is just the most boring character but it's not even the most boring character he's the most boring actor that i've ever seen in anything uh quite simply um so it would seem that this film has had extensive re-edits uh at some point um it feels like there have been certain characters have had their roles cut down significantly whilst also playing significant uh, pivotal roles within the film. So characters such as DeHans and Cara Delevingne as well has a role in here, which seems to be or could be quite pivotal, but she seems to be some kind of tavern trader in the tulip market and also uh, possibly a prostitute. I'm not quite sure. Um, so the only saving grace to this, this film, possibly, is the subplot. Um, of the maid and her fishmonger's boyfriend, who's played by Jack O'Connell. Um, their story ends quite abruptly uh, as it's dragged into this episode of EastEnders as well. Uh, and it all becomes very complicated and very messy. And it just seems to have the fingerprints of Harvey Weinstein all over it. And it is such a shame. Um, do I think this is worth going to see in the cinema? No. Uh, it tries to be Shakespeare in Love. Uh, but the script just can't match the brilliant nature or the wonderful acting that happened in Shakespeare in Love. And that is all down to the direction, down to the script. And I think it's down to the Weinstein Company as well, who have simply tried to recreate something here that they had with with Shakespeare in Love. Um, but it just seems like they have just tarnished everything, every, simply because of everything that happened with Harvey Weinstein. Um, it just appears that he has tarnished a lot of what's been going on here. Uh, there's great actors, great actresses, and they're trying their very best with the material that they have. But it just would seem that the script ran away and had a love affair with a script of EastEnders. So no, this film is not worth going to see in the cinema. Welcome back. It's now time for our new feature, which is 
Is it worth it? Cinema at home. Uh, this is a combination of all of our other features, DVDs, and is it worth it? Should I stream it? All synced into one nice, succinct uh, recommendation. Uh, we haven't got a theme tune yet. Me and Craig are going to cook something up in the lab for next week. Um, we're both going to recommend a couple of things. Firstly, Journey's End. Uh, we reviewed it on week three of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast, and it is now out on Netflix. This was a superb film, um, a harrowing film, and it's not an action film. It's more of a deep analysis of the psychological and emotional uh, damages of war and uh, what you know it was like being in the trenches emotionally and physically for these men uh, in light of the fact that we've we've just gone past the the hundred years uh, anniversary of uh, Armistice Day uh, I would really recommend seeing Journey's End it's still one of my favorite films since doing this podcast it's available on Netflix it is beautiful and the score the soundtrack in it is stunning it's on Netflix check it out and also listen to our full review on week three of the podcast. And uh, my recommendation for this week is Lim Ramsey's You Were Never Really Here, starring Joaquin Phoenix as the tormented but brutal hired gun set out to rescue a young girl from a sex ring. Um, this was reviewed on week eight. So if you really want to know a lot more about the film, uh, please listen to week eight. But it was a fantastic, visually entertaining uh, characterization of um, of a man who who really doesn't express himself by words, but more about mm. his actions. And and we both really, really loved this film. Uh, had a fantastic soundtrack as well. I mean, oh. I mean, Journey's End and this can be compared in, in quite a lot of ways, actually. Yeah. It? Let me reiterate what Craig has said. You Were Never Really Here is an incredible film. So unique, so different. And the soundtrack is a masterpiece. Uh, I would love to see, I'd love to see it, or love to have seen it receive some awards because the soundtrack is stunning. One of the best soundtracks of the year by a mile. <laughs> we both, both <laughs> just sort of looked at each other. Uh, so that's the two films. Also, uh, DVDs. Uh, just to let you know, Christopher Robin is now out and available on DVD. Uh, the first time I saw this film, I was slightly underwhelmed, but I think I went in with far too higher expectations. The second time, I enjoyed it much more. I think this is a really nice family film. Buy it on DVD, get the family round the fire, have a glass of Woon, and uh, enjoy Christopher Robin as a family. It's, uh, it's a lovely yeah. film yeah. with a mixture of animation and... And, and real life action and um, they're the three films we've recommended Journey's End You Were Never Really Here and Christopher Robin we hope you enjoy these at your home cinema Thank you very much for listening to week 24 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Uh, like we mentioned during the episode, the ways of getting in touch with us have slightly changed with the email address changing. David, do you know what it is? It is, is it worth it? No. <laughs> my mail is worth it at isitworthitpodcast.com. Yes, so it's Fantastic. my mail is worth it at isitworthitpodcast.com. What are the other ways of people getting in touch with uh, us? Please do Facebook us, tweet us, um, Instagram us. Send us a carrier pigeon. Swipe right for me on Tinder and Bumble. Still asking uh, for dis- people. It's a disaster. It's a, it is a Titanic disaster. Um, oh, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Maybe it's the bald head. I, maybe it's the beard. 
Maybe I'm just ugly. Oh, no, that's not true. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for listening to what has been quite a long episode. Me and Craig are quite exhausted. We've obviously had to catch up on a number of films. I think there was 10 film reviews there. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we haven't got a lineup as of yet officially for next week, but we're going to try and get another uh, podcast out to you as soon as possible. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the show and goodbye. Good boo. Patty bye. Cheerio then. See you later. Yep, we'll tune in next week. Brexit means Brexit. <laughs>